Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. We are in the month of July, and this is week three of collection, a collection of talks that we've been walking through, a book of the Bible called Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It literally means second law because it's a speech from a guy by the name of Moses, as I'll open up and unpack in just a second. But really, you could even say it, the title of, the, of Deuteronomy means a special reminder, a reminder of who God is, what he's done and why you can trust him. Because not only do I wake up with excitement every day on Sundays and Monday through Saturday, I wake up with an expectation. And that's the title of the message today. Man, I would love for you to write down some things in that journal that we gave you or on your phone today. Because the title of today's conversation is An Invitation to Expectation. How many would agree with me? And just so you know, local city, I I do a little participation here where I need you to raise your hands, lower them, laugh, say amen, all that good stuff. This is more of a conversation, collaborative effort, not just me talking at you, but talking with you. How many would, would agree and say that sometimes our expectations have a lot to do with how we experience something, like how you're expecting it to go, right? You ever had that meeting with your boss at work and you're like, whoo, I expect this to go bad. Like, I just expect this might not go well. And then it does, and you're like, oh, well, at least I was prepared for it. Or maybe it doesn't, and you're like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I've been really loving the, the summertime. I've been able to go back to the movies. A lot of movies that I love have been coming out. And so I love walking into a movie with high expectation, and then it meets the expectation, right? Like, it was worth the, I mean, I remember going back to movies when I was, you know, going on my first dates in high school. It was six, like, six or eight bucks, you know, for a ticket. Now it's like 20 bucks to go just by yourself, not including popcorn and a drink. But I have a high expectation that the movie's going to be great, and then it meets, and it's like, wow, that was awesome. So exciting. And then when it doesn't, it's like, oh, what a way. But we have an understanding that expectation has a direct relationship to how we experience something. And I want you to know today, whether you've been in church for a while or it's your first time, that you have an invitation in front of you to expect the goodness of God in your life, to expect the love of God to show up right where you are right now, to expect his forgiveness and freedom to be available to you in the moment that you ask him to come into your heart and you give him your life. Today, my conversation with you is an invitation to expect God to do something in and with your life. Again, let me give you some context about Deuteronomy. Like I said, it's the fifth book of the Bible written by a guy named Moses. It's his final address to the Israelites, which is the people of God before entering the promised land. Let me tell you, God always keeps his promises. Can I get a good amen if you believe that? There we go. All right, we're ready, we're ready. But really, it's an explanation of God's covenant faithfulness. God cannot go back on his word. God cannot go back on what he's done. So as, I, as we're having this dialogue today, I would love for you if, you, if you have a real Bible, that's awesome. But if you don't have the Version Bible app, there's a little picture of it up on the screen. I would encourage you to download that right now so you can follow along in the book of Deuteronomy with us because I believe that God's word is so powerful. It is God's love letter to you and I of how good he is and the great things that he has for you. 
And as we pray and open up this conversation today, I do believe, just as Savannah prayed earlier, that God has something for us corporately, but God has something for you individually. And I want him to speak to you one-on-one today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray? Lord, we are so thankful that you're in the room. Jesus, we're so thankful that your name is greater than anything that we're possibly carrying or walking with right now. So Father, I pray that all of us, we would take a deep breath and just have a moment with you in our message this morning. God, I pray today you'd be with all of our kids over in Local City Kids. Love on them. Continue to build them and help them see that Jesus is their very best friend and be with our incredible volunteers and teachers over there as they help them see that church is fun and a place where even at a young age, they can experience God. And Lord, once again, we're expecting you to speak to us today. We come to you with open hearts. We listen and we lean in. We love you, Lord. We trust you, Jesus. There is always hope today. We believe it. We trust it. It's in Jesus' name we all say. Come on, local city, give me one more good amen. Come on, come on, and give that, keep that round of applause and cheering going for everybody watching for Local City Church online today. So glad that you're with us. Whether you're watching on demand or you're with us right now, hey, we love you. You're part of the family. And if you can ever make it here in the seats, we'd love to have you because there's nothing like being in the room. But let's jump right into Deuteronomy. We are in chapter 10 today. And I got to be honest with you, I had something prepared on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I was praying through it. And then I just began to reread some of the chapters of Deuteronomy that we had studied. And man, I just stumbled across this verse in chapter 10 that really just stopped me in my tracks. And I believe the Holy Spirit said, Ryan, that's what I want you to share with the church on Sunday. And here's what it says. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the Lord's covenant and to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to pronounce blessings in his name. Now, let me give you a little context of where we're at. So once again, we're 10 chapters into Deuteronomy. Ten chapters in of Moses sharing about who God is, what he's done, and why the people of God can continue to trust him. What I love about this beginning chapter is Moses, he's kind of about to die, so he's kind of in his rosebuds, the sled moment, if you've ever seen that movie, where he's like, I'm just saying whatever I want, and like, I just got to tell you the truth and hit you, hit you between the eyes with some stuff. And so I love in chapter 10, he starts it off by saying and recalling the story when he went up to the mountain and God wrote down the Ten Commandments on some tablets. And if you know the story, Moses comes down from the mountain and God's people are being God's people, which means they have totally in a moment forgotten about God. They've built their own God out of gold. They're running around raving going crazy in the club, worshiping this golden calf, celebrating, and Moses is like, what are you doing? And he throws the tablets down and breaks them. And he, I mean, imagine this, having to go back up the mountain to God and say, uh, God, I, uh, I made a mistake. I, uh, you know those tablets that are like divinely written with the Ten Commandments that you wrote down for us? I got a little upset and I threw them down, and they're broken, so I'm going to need another copy, right? I remember when we were launching the church, uh, we were raising money to start the church. We, we launched Local City, my wife and I, with a team of people on September 15th, 2019, coming up on four years, anniversary Sunday. Yeah, we can give it up for God's faithfulness. He is good. But I remember I, we were raising money, and I was meeting with different donors, and our first, like, large check that we received 
um, I was so thankful for. I was at Starbucks and the guy was like, hey, I really believe in what you're doing. You know, here's a check for $10,000. Whoa, what? That's awesome. And he gave it to me and I was so excited and I put it in my pocket and I was praying, God, thank you so much, so much encouragement that, that you would believe in this and this is tangible proof. And I remember that I went home and was praying and so thankful and was doing some chores around the house and I went to go, I mean, hey, I wanna make sure I deposit this check uh, before I lose it or anything that, like that and realize that the jeans I had put, in the, put them in were in that day's laundry. And so I had washed this check and so the next day, I had to sheepishly get on the phone with this guy and say, hey, uh, you, remember, you remember that remember that check that you gave me? Yeah, of course, man. I, yeah, I'm so excited about what you're doing. Um, I'm going to need another one. Why? What happened? Like, then I, right, no, I, I washed it, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And so, he, was so he, was, he laughed it off, but I felt so bad. It's men's, it's men's generosity. I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I got too excited. I washed it, and I need another one, right? So Moses going up the mountain. Hey, God, I kind of messed up the Ten Commandments. I need some more. And in the beginning of chapter 10, Moses is like, hey, everybody, you remember when you made me so mad that I had to smash those Ten Commandments? And I had to go up to God and tell him that we need some more, and I brought him down again. Well, just so you know, here they are. And they tell a testimony of how God is always going to keep reminding you the things that he said. And he begins to unpack a little bit of the goodness of God and how he is our God alone, that we love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And then he goes into this verse 8 which may not mean, into, mean anything to you when you read it at first, but I think it means so much significance to us today. Let me read it again, starting in verse 8, and I'll go all the way through 9 now. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. Let me tell you what that was. The Ark of the Covenant was literally the presence of God made real here on earth. Like they carried it into battle, they carried it everywhere that they went. It was at the center of when they would set up camp when they were journeying through the wilderness. It was in the traveling tabernacle of where they learned and experienced God for themselves, kind of their church back, their portable church back in the day. And so it was very important. And you didn't treat it lightly. You leaned into it. You took it seriously. And so Moses is saying, remember, tribe of Levi, God chose you to literally carry the power of God's presence wherever you go. And he begins to build on this more and says, and he challenged you and he chose you to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to pronounce blessings in his name. These are the duties to this day. I mean, to this day. That is why the Levites have no share of property or possession of land among the other Israelite tribes. The reason this is bolded, I would encourage you to highlight it in your Bible app or in your Bible, is that the Lord himself is their special possession, as the Lord your God told them. Now, if you were reading this, you'd be like, what does this mean? Well, I don't really get the significance of this. So when the Israelites were about to step into the promised land that God had promised them, it was going to be work. They were going to have to go to war with some of the evil nations that were there. And I'm talking like truly, truly evil. And once they had conquered this whole promised land, then the tribes were going to distribute the land to each tribe. Like, you get this, you get that. Or the tribe of Levi would get no land at all. And you would think, if I was in the tribe of Levi, I'd be like, hey, man, I mean, like, these, the, the, this tribe's got, like, the nice mountains and, and waterfalls, great place to set up camp great place to take a stroll and a hike. 
These guys, they've got all the lush vegetation and fruit trees and veg. You know, that seems like a great spot of provision. You know, why can't we have that land? He says, no, tribe of Levi, you get no possession. You are going to take your possession as God himself. Now, again, as a human, we look at this with a personal perspective or a limited perspective of like, well, that seems like the tribe of Levi got gypped out, right? Like they kind of drew the short end of the stick. I mean, I learned that going through life that sometimes you just don't get the same thing as everybody. <laughs> sometimes someone else gets something better than you, and that's okay. Like I'm always happy for people. Like if I'm going to a, to a conference or an event where there's a raffle, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, still, I'm 35 years old. I still love a good raffle, right? And so, like, when someone wins, I mean, I'm happy for them. But inside, I'm like, man, I wish that was me. Like, I could do a lot with that $10 Amazon gift card. Or I could do a lot with that little goodie bag, right? Even if it's, like, shower gel. and lo- I, could do, I, you know, I, I could do that. I, could, I enjoy a good bath, right? I'll take the beauty bag. It's cool, right? Because like, all of us might be like that. You know, oh, yeah! Man, I really wish that was me, right? And, and so we can lean in his understanding that maybe some of the tribe of Levi was like that. But you got to understand that to say that the Lord himself is your special possession is more overwhelming than you could possibly understand in today's day and age. To let the tribe of Levi know, hey, you're not getting any land because you're getting the very presence of God, which is more powerful than any of this material stuff that someone else is getting. So even in the way back when, the comparison trap was real, but the tribe of Levi had to say, you know what? We are getting God. We are getting this incredible invitation of expectation that God is gonna be with us and on our side every single day and that in our land, in our area, the very presence of God is going to live and thrive, and God has promised that. See, underneath the whole idea of this concept of Deuteronomy, our subtitle has been choosing the good life. Write this down for me. I believe the good life is the one lived with the God expectancy. You see, the thing is that now when Moses promised this to the tribe of Levi, every day they woke up with the God expectancy of, man, the presence of God is with us. So no matter what enemy or problem or situation comes our way that we have to deal with, we've got the answer right here, and that answer is our Lord, our God, our Heavenly Father, our Yahweh, who was the God who was and is and is to come. We have the presence of God on our side. Come on. I need a little bit more thanks and praise for that today. You don't quite got to quite meet my energy, but you got to at least come here, right? Because this is exciting. I'm excited about this. And let me give you a little quote about the presence of God, uh, about what it means for us individually, what it means for us corporately. It'll be quote number two under there. And I wrote this down because when I, as I was researching this, I just thought it was so incredibly powerful about what the presence of God is. Not expectation, it's the presence of God quote. What I'll tell you is if it comes up on the screen, I'll start reading it. But what it essentially says is the presence of God is our personal refuge. The presence of God is where we go to know that God is meeting with us, that God is doing something in our midst. Can I tell you the reason? Again, I'm not performing. Our worship team's not performing. Here it is. The presence of God is your place of refuge and your place to be revived in heart and spirit. Your place of prayer and praise is the hiding place where you find the presence of God. It is the time and place where you focus and have a fresh encounter with him. 
For you, I don't want you to have a leftover encounter where like you're just getting the leftovers of what's going on in the room. I want you to personally have a fresh encounter with God today and every day. And like I said, the worship team and on the front row, like we're not performing when we're like lifting our hands and singing. It's the only response that I can think of when it comes to knowing that God's presence is in this room and what Jesus paid for to make that possible. I mean, I need this hour every single Sunday. I need those minutes of worship corporately because there is no substitute for it. And we have been chosen to live with this divine expectation that God's presence is with us. That's why I have so much passion on Sundays and about God's house, because I love what God does in this place. I mean, God saved my life in his church. God freed me from things like depression and fear and suicidal thoughts when I was a 13-year-old because I stepped into a church where I looked around and I was like, man, these people are excited and expecting about something, and whatever it is, I want it. And for you, I want you to say you don't have to stand on the outskirts looking in or feel like you don't have a place or feel like you've got to get your life right. Just as Moses said, hey, God is your possession. I'm telling you today that because of Jesus, you can expect that God is your possession and you can grab a hold of him and have your place in his presence that was purchased for you by the blood of Jesus and his resurrection out of the grave where you can stand with hands raised saying, God, you are good. The name of Jesus is beautiful and powerful, and I want a little touch and taste of that myself. I don't want you to feel like you have to expect God or experience God through me or through the people up here. We're here to serve and care for you. We'll do whatever it takes. And I think we proved that this Friday. So Friday, we, we, were, we had bought some equipment to really make, if you didn't know, this is a middle school, Monday through Friday, just so you know. They allow us to have church here on Sunday, which is awesome. We love the faculty here. We love serving the school. But every single Sunday, from the kids' area, to the flags and signs in the parking lot, to the coffee makers, to everything you see in here gets set up every single Sunday morning. Can you give me a good shout of thankfulness for our home team that helps make that happen? But on Friday, on Friday we had purchased some equipment to make that set up a little easier. We installed our projector, which is above my head, and we installed our, our screen that now rolls down, makes it super easy, saves us like 30 to 45 minutes of setup and stress. I'm all about, as I get older, I'm all about how can I make my life more stress-free? And so I knew that would do this. And so we got here on Friday around 11 o'clock to start loading things in, to get ready, and we spent about 11 hours here working hard to make sure that we could get this done. We needed expertise. We were, we were FaceTiming and calling some of our contractors here about electrical work. We were sending people on Home Depot runs. Come on, sometimes you need that person that just says, I'll go to Home Depot the second, the third, the fourth time, and I'll follow the list. It was funny, it was one of our team members, he was like, I don't really know anything about Home Depot stuff. I'm like, you're the perfect person to go, because you're not gonna have that like man attitude of like, did they say that? I think they mean this, I'll get this. No man, follow the list, all right? And so we needed that, we needed people raising the screen, getting up in the dusty cat walks and all that stuff. And you know what never happened? No one ever got upset. No one ever got frustrated with another problem that came up or if something didn't work. We just kept figuring it out. You know why? Because we know it's worth it. Because the words that are on that screen are not just words. They're worship that can change your life. 
The verses that have been coming up in these notes are not just cool little outline studies. They are things that can penetrate your heart and encourage you and save you and let you know that there is a God who really loves you, who can and will change your life, who you can cast all your cares on and trust him. And through those 11 hours, like, man, this is going to be awesome when we get this done. Why? Because it's going to make Sundays better and it's going to get more opportunity for people to know that there is always hope because hope has a name and that name is Jesus. Come on, everybody. That's what we're doing today. It's worth it. I love it. I love it because it's so exciting that I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And that's what Moses was saying. Hey, tribe of Levi, this is who you are. Do not get trapped in the comparison of, well, I don't have that. Well, I don't have this, or this wasn't given to me. Or I didn't have this growing up, or that person seems to get everything they want. Moses is telling them, hey, you have God. That's all you need. That's the most important thing, that God is on your side. And let me tell you, when he says to this day, it means to this day. Because over the time and history of the scriptures of the Bible, it moved from a tribe, an ethnic tribe of Levi, to anyone and everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, who gives their life to him, now get to say, my possession is my heavenly father God. My possession is a relationship with him, and I will never settle for anything less. And if I have that, that is all I need. Because one of the guys that followed Jesus, Peter, says in 1 Peter 2.9, he challenges us and reminds us, you're not like that. I don't know what the that is, but just put in your mind anything that you see out in culture and the world today. Anger, division, frustration, to be honest with you, watering down of God's word and who God is and the truth that God has for you and I and the straight line of life and morality that God has defined, the people that would go against that or would kind of live their own truth or want to do things their own way, I got to tell you, this is for the people who have given their life to Jesus who are here and watching online. If you still haven't yet, hey man, you're invited to say yes to Jesus today, but I want to tell you, this is for those believers in here that your standard is to say, I am not like that. Why? Because I am God's chosen people. I am a royal priest. Woo! I like that name. Now, I'm not saying we got to go around, excuse me. The name for my order, yes, royal priest. Would you please put that? No, because that's just weird, and please don't be a weird Christian. But you're a royal priest, a holy nation. What's this, this phrase looks familiar. God's very own possession. Why now? Can we, as a result you can show others the what? The goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. It's that simple. It's that simple. When you go and talk to people about what you heard on Sunday, you don't have to explain all this biblical stuff that I told you. I pray that one day you will in your own personal study. But all you have to say is, hey, man, I heard this message that that has reminded me or that has invited me to realize that I can step out of the darkness and into the light and that, that God is good and he's close and he's with us and I've never heard that before but I think it's that simple and I just want to go all in with it I want to trust God with everything that I have because this 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 excited guy on Sunday told me that I'm a royal priest and that sounds good but you are here's the thing when we go back to Deuteronomy and even in this phrase Moses says hey tribe of Levi you have been chosen as God's ministers to carry the presence of God wherever you go and to pronounce blessings in his name. Can I tell you a phrase that that people have used to get themselves off the hook, but I will use it as a phrase that you should never say? It's when I say, well, well, that's different, Ryan. You're you're in full-time ministry. 
Well, let me encourage you that if you follow Jesus, you're in full-time ministry. Now, you may not be called to be a pastor, which is okay, because we need business leaders, and we need those people out in the marketplace making a difference and building things and being a light in the darkness. But you're all called to be ministers. And what are ministers? It's simply those who serve, those who serve God and serve others. So you're, we're all in full-time ministry. Whether you wake up tomorrow and you go to a church office or you go to an office that you love or hate, you're in ministry. You're called to serve God with a good attitude, with joy, with right thinking and right living, and you're called to serve others with encouragement and prayer and blessings, not in your name, blessing in the name of God. It totally changes your perspective. It totally changes your expectation when you walk into work. I've told people so many times before that are so frustrated with their job. I'm like, hey, stop looking at it at such a surface level. Like, it, it may, you may hate what you do. I get it. It may be really, really hard. But don't think that just what you do as a task at your job, that God is limited to that. Because you may hate the task that you have to do, but the God purpose that he has for you there can really remind you of why you're there, can really give you an expectation of, you know what, yeah, I got to sit down and do these expense reports, or I got to sit down and do this or do that, but, I'm, but bigger than that, I'm here to serve someone. I'm here to show them the blessings of God. I'm here to show them that hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. So I expect to make a difference with those truths. I expect to do something with that, and not just sit on my hands and have a bad attitude about it, but be excited that even in this job, or in my life, or in my family, in my neighborhood, Wherever I come in contact with someone, I am invited to expect that God can do something in their life through me. Good life is one lived with a God expectancy. We can go back to that quote from a pastor that I love listening to called Frank Damasio. Here's what he says about expectation. Expectation moves us to pray for great things from God. When's the last time you really prayed for not just a God, you know, keep me safe, I got this going on today, help me out. Those are good things, but when's the last time you prayed like something truly great? Like, God, I need you to do a miracle here. This is the attitude that is constantly in fully expecting God to do the impossible. I've challenged myself in my own faith to say, oh, I don't know if that God can ever do that. I don't know if God can ever reach that person. I don't know if God can ever do this. But I've, I've had a check in my, whole, in my spirit, in my personal life of like, well, God can do anything. If he created the world, he can do anything. If he conquered death, he can do anything. So why don't I pray with a little bit more expectation that God can and will do the impossible? I just got to be honest with you. If I ever go in the hospital and you come to pray for me, maybe I'm going through something really difficult, surgery, whatever, cancer, whatever it may be, and you come to visit me in the hospital and I ask you to pray for me and you go, well, God, if it be your will, heal this man. Just don't come visit me, all right? Just stay home. I don't want you there. You know why? Because I, I just think that's a horrible way to approach an expectation of a miracle working God. It immediately puts yourself off the hook. Well, God, if you want to do it, okay. Why don't you pray with God, I believe that you will. And I believe that you can. And I believe that you want to. And I believe that you can heal this person. I believe you can save this person. I believe you can restore my marriage. I believe you can build back my family. I believe you can heal that relationship. I believe, God, that you can and you will. But if you don't, I'm still going to trust you and follow you. But I want to pray like it's your will. I just, I'm, I don't give, my, give in to this thing of like, well, you know, God wants to. I'm going to pray like he wants to. And if it doesn't happen, doesn't go the way I was praying, I'll figure it out from there. 
Think about in John 11 when Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. It says in John 11:35, 35, Jesus wept, the shortest verse in the Bible. Why did he wait? Why did he weep? Because in that moment, he was sad. His friend was dead. And he, realized, and he understands that, man, I gotta, I'm empathizing with what these people are going through. I actually do have compassion for my people. I'm not this distant God that said, well, you know what? I am going to raise them from the dead, so put on a happy face. Like, no, right now in this moment, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. And that's the God that we believe in. That's the God we're invited to expect big things of. So I would encourage you to take inventory of your prayer. Where are the great things that you're writing down? It's a quote I remember hearing a long time ago. When you pray, and God, if, if, if what you pray, if God answered every prayer, would the world change or just your world change? We've got to begin to take inventory about the royal priesthood that we've been invited into. But there are enemies of expectation out there. There are enemies of this because we have a capital E enemy. Later on, 1 Peter, Peter begins to say there's always an enemy lurking around trying to devour you like a lion. That's some harsh imagery, but true. And here's the, some enemies of expectation I want to give you. The first thing that I believe is an enemy of expectation in our life is fear and worry. And I have a little write-up about each of these. It's, and for you to think about this, maybe take a picture of this or write this down on your phone. What are the things that persistently whisper in the back of your mind? What are the nagging worries and fears that eat at you? Again, Peter tells us, give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. Don't, this is huge here, local city, don't allow your worries to determine your future. If you play it safe, you will have nothing. So throw all your hopes and all your fears into God's hands and know that he cares about you. My, my fear is that I would get at the end of my life and begin to look back and say, ah, oh, man, I don't have any moments where I can say only because of God. I'm so glad that I just went total into God's hands and God's presence, and I didn't allow my worries or fears to determine my future. Uh, my fear for some of us is that we are wasting so much of today's energy on tomorrow's problems that may not even come. That's expectation. I've challenged people that I've had one-on-ones with that I say, you know, you know why everything just is always hard and difficult? It's because you expect it to be. You have this fear and this ungodly worry that everything is going to go wrong in your life, that every relationship is going to be difficult, that every day is going to, you're going to walk through stress. And just have the expectation that, you know what, maybe I won't. Maybe God really can care for me. Maybe I don't have to live afraid. Maybe I don't have to live so much in worry. Because honestly, if you have that list right now, what are you afraid of? What do you worry about the most? Those are, let me just be honest with you, those are the areas that you don't trust God. Where are you worrying? I would challenge you. That's an area where you're not trusting God. And I've been there. I've been there many times in my life with taking the step of faith to, to plant this church with Adrian to every time we have a kid. You know, it's, it's a lot, every time we do this, I mean, there's a lot of fear and worry, but I don't give into it. As I've said so many times, they're feelings, but they don't lead me. My choices lead. Let me give you another enemy of expectation. Negativity. It's a big one. Expectation can be drowned easily in our lives by tragedy or disappointment. A sense of hopelessness or failure can kill the desire or ability to expect things to change. Do not let pessimism hinder your steps from fulfilling your God-given expectations. Dread and fear feed a pessimistic attitude that seeks to make God smaller than your problems. 
Pessimism makes it easy for you to visualize a negative outcome for your life and then live in a way that, oh, this is huge, live in a way that fulfills the negative outcome. Say no! This is not what God desires for you. I just gotta be honest with you. Shepherd tells me I'm not allowed to use this word, but I just hate negativity. I can't stand it. Because as someone who has been forgiven and set free because of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for me, I just can't stand being a negative person. Now listen, I get, life is hard. I've walked through some difficult things, and so have you. But that does not give you the right to be a negative person that sucks the life out of every relationship, every room, every conversation that you walk into, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. Negativity will kill your faith. It will kill the miracles that God wants to do in your life. I never, like again, I, I am very protective about who I watch Florida State football with because I'm so engaged in it. But the P.S., thank you. But the people I definitely don't watch it with are those who like, yeah, definitely no Gators, that's number one. <laughs> but the second thing is people who like, the other team scores on their opening drive in a touchdown and the, the person's like, oh, that's it, it's over, they're losing. I'm like, bro, there's the door, okay? We got a lot of game left, okay? So I don't need that negativity, not in my house because I can't handle it and I don't need you vibe in the team even from this far away, all right? I, we, don't, we don't need to be negative Christians. I don't, this whole doom and gloom thing I, th th does not flow with the kingdom of God. Because if you give in to fear and worry, and you give in to negativity, you are doomed to number three, which is apathy. Another adversary of expectation is an apathetic mindset that resists change and is content with the status quo. The attitude that thinks expectation costs too much thinks things like this. It requires breaking habit patterns that are impossible to stop. It requires change, and maybe the cost won't be worth the reward. Please hear me, local city, with these lines. It is safer to not dream, not to hope, and not to expect good, because you will be disappointed. Instead, be satisfied with where you are today, and do not expect anything better for tomorrow. God promises that hope placed in him is hope that will not bring disappointment. It is hope fulfilled. I'll just be honest with you. You can live safe and you'll never be disappointed. You can live with faith and holy expectation that God could do something. And you know what? You might have to walk with disappointment. But you also get to walk in that fulfillment when it really does happen. When God really does move. And you stand in that miracle. And you stand in his presence. And, I, and you say, I cannot believe, God, what I expected is coming to fulfillment and is happening. And I get to be a part of it. My fear is that we get into this apathy of like, ah, eh, it's just too hard. I can't. I don't, I don't, honestly, I, I don't want to change. I don't want to be different. Well, that's okay. But man, you're going to miss out on that God life with holy expectation, and the, he is your own possession-type presence in your life. I mean, I, I, I try to wake up every day saying, God, you know what? This is about you and not about me. This is about others and how I can help them in the order of priority of how can I serve my wife, how can I serve my family, and I, how can I care for those that are in my sphere of influence. Because at some point, God's going to have an opportunity for you to step in. This happened to me yesterday. As we begin to close, i got the last couple things for you, and then we're going to close in the next few minutes. But yesterday, a couple from our church got married. In the band, you can come up. A couple from our church got married, and I was the officiating the wedding, which I love doing. 
and uh, we were headed over to the venue. Adrian and I were driving over, and I had to get the suit dry cleaned that day, and so it's hot in Florida. So I took the dry cleaning packet with my suit in it, hung it in the back, and drove off to the venue. And when we got there, and we gave the car over to the valet, I went to grab the suit, and to my dismay, I realized that what I had placed in the back of the car was not a suit jacket, but just a random shirt that kind of looked like a suit jacket. And there I was, just tie, just shirt, no jacket, looking like a very unprepared, irresponsible pastor here at this wedding. And I do have some OCD tendencies. And so I was like, I am not doing this thing until I find a jacket. <laughs> like, like, I'm going to find something. So I was asking people, try to put on one person's. I almost ripped through it because I've been working out. And then I was like, just waiting for someone to walk in. And then I saw uh, a friend of mine from our sending church. I said, hey man, we're about the same size. That jacket matches. Can I wear that? He was like, yeah, man, of course. I got an extra one in the car. Oh, let's go. So that jacket on looked like I knew what I was doing, looked nice, matched and everything. I was, because again, I would have felt horrible that every picture they go back at their ceremony, that punk pastor did forgot a jacket and looks totally unprepared, right? But I was talking to this guy afterwards, and he was like, you know what, man? I had my own dry cleaning thing happen, but I threw this other jacket in the car because in my mind, I thought, I feel like someone's going to need this. Like someone's going to, I mean, if someone may spill something on their jacket or whatever, I didn't expect it to be the efficient pastor, but I figured like someone would need it. And I got to tell you that sometimes when you're living with that holy expectation and you're getting rid of fear and worry and negativity of ap and a a a apathy, sorry, you're going to have these moments where you're like, I just feel like I got to do this because I feel like someone needs it. I feel like I just got to show up to church today. Or I feel like I just got to invite that person to church today. Or I feel like I just got to ask them how they're doing and if they need prayer because I just feel like like they need it. Can I encourage you? People today need believers and priests like that who say, you know what? I'm going to throw that extra jacket in the car because right now it makes no sense. But I feel like someone's going to need it. Someone needs your encouragement. Someone needs your expectation. Someone needs you to never give in to apathy and fear and worry and negativity, but to live saying, you know what? God's my possession. I'm a royal priest. Man, I'm living that he's going to do something in me and through me. Let me give you four things that no matter what you're doing today, I would encourage you to write down. It's going to become kind of a phrase that my pastor gave me that I want to give to our church. And I want you to realize, man, these are the things to pray every morning. When you want to live, how do I live? How do I do this, Ryan? How do I live with the expectation of the good life? It's four two-word sentences. They're not really sentences, so don't correct me, grammar police, but here you go. The first thing is that everything I have, my life, the good life, every blessing, everything that I have, my salvation, my forgiveness, my freedom is from God. I can't take credit for any of it. I'm just trying to steward everything that I have from God. The breath in my lungs, my wife, my family, the church that I get to serve at, it's from God. It keeps my focus on Him. It keeps my eyes and thoughts in the right place. But then, some of us, we live our whole life just thinking, oh, it's from God, that's great, that's great. But there's also a second part that's so important. It's to us. It's from God to us. Like, it's been given to me. He's given me life. He's given me forgiveness. He's given me freedom. He thought about me when he was on the cross. I was the joy that he looked forward to. And that's why he endured the shame and endured the pain of what he had to go through. Because it's from God to us, to me. You can personalize that. Say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for the breath in my lungs and the house that I have and the people in my life. Thank you, God, for the two me things that I have. See, I believe God's done something in your life. He has saved you, forgiven you, or maybe it's going to happen today. 
But we as your church wanna celebrate that from God to us moment in your life. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna do something we've never done before. We believe in baptism here. But on July 30th, Sunday evening, we're gonna go out to the beach and we're gonna have a baptism party. And I would love for you to, as a church to be there and support those who are getting baptized. But if, again, like RJ said, if you're feeling about serve day, just do it. If you're feeling that you need to make a change, don't give in to apathy. Don't give in to negativity. Just do it. Text water to 97, you made it easy, water, simple. Text water to 97,000. Get baptized out on the beach that night and let God transform you and do something new in your life and take a step in his direction. Whether you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time or you wanna rededicate your life, be there, just do it. See what God does as you celebrate what you have from him to you. Doesn't stop there. Every single Sunday, dozens of people live out the third one, which is it's from God to us, now through us. Our home team does this every Sunday, and I pray that you would do it Monday through Saturday. That through us, we're doing something. Through us, we're making a difference. Through us, we're living the dream. Through us, we are making the impossible possible. Through us, we're creating a place where people can experience God. From God to us, through us, and then the last one is to others. And that keeps the focus, that's not about me. It's from God. He gave it to me when I didn't deserve it. And now I'm so honored that he uses those things through me. My prayers, my words of encouragement, my joy, my talents, my abilities. Not to prop me up, but so that I can serve someone else. You want to have a holy expectation. You want to live the good life with a God expectancy. Every single morning pray this. Pray from God to us, through us, to others. I pray that encourages you today. I pray it helps you. And do me a favor, would you stand to your feet today as we close? I'm gonna have you bow your heads and close your eyes, but I just have a little illustration for you. I told you I love movies earlier. And one of my favorite movie sagas is the, is the Rocky movies. I'm a big Rocky movie fan. The boxer, Sylvester Stallone. If you've never seen him, come over to my house, we'll watch all of them. Except for five, it's not good. Uh, but, but the second one, I love this moment in Rocky II where if you know, it's about a boxer who was like an underdog and in the first one, man, he just gets beat up bad. <laughs> and like so much so that they're worried that if he ever gets hit in his eye again, he's gonna go blind. And so in the second one, it's all about his rematch with Apollo Creed, the, the antagonist, and no one will train him. No one will let him do anything. And he comes to his trainer and says, hey, I just, hey can I just come work at the gym? He's like, he's like, Rocky, you were like the star. Everyone wanted to be you. And now you want to just come be around it and come like mop up and clean up and wash towels. He's like, you don't understand. I just got to be around it. I just got to be around it. See, you're willing to go through all that shame and all that embarrassment just to be around this sport again? Yeah. Can I encourage you, man? That is a testimony to us. I don't care what I got to do, but I got to be in the room because I got to be around what God's doing. I gotta be in church, I gotta be a part of his house. I gotta be helping people with the hope that has a name. I don't care what shame or embarrassment or difficulty or sacrifice may come from it. I just gotta be around it because it is the only life-changing thing that I've ever experienced and God is that God. It's from God to me, through me, to others. That's what we believe today. Would you bow your eyes and close your eyes with me today as we close? Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. 
A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.